all you IT listeners out there, I just wanted to take a moment before the show to share with you our new sponsor. We've been working with BestRadioTravel.com to bring the lowest hotel prices to our loyal listeners. Stay tuned during the upcoming show to hear more about how you can save 15 to 30% off your hotel rates. Awesome! Let's start the show. Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, girlfriendit.com, and the movement, Girlfriendit. Here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on toginet.com. All right. Hello, hello, hello. Today we are talking about men and dads and sons and between us guys, life-changing conversations for dads and sons with Joel Fitzpatrick. And I just am asking this question. Do you agree with this statement? Boys are more likely to be violent and unable to express their emotions than girls. There's also a great discussion going on about toxic masculinity uh, leading to pent-up aggression, frustration, isolation, problematic relationships, violence, anger. Uh, The list goes on with other devastating realities. And it, it's clear that raising boys today requires a new definition of what it means to be a man. And it's important that, um, you know, just for fathers and role models to really be able to to um, bring scripture in, have those gospel-centered conversation with their sons about becoming a man. And so did, today we are chatting with author, uh, once again, Between Us Guys, and that is Joel Fitzbrett. Boy, Joel, I'm so sorry. I'm so tongue twisted today. So we just want to welcome Joel Fitzpatrick to the show today. How are you, Joel? I'm well. Thanks so much for having me on. Don't worry about it. At least you got the last name right. I've been called Fitzgerald. I've been called all sorts of things. So uh, at least you got it within the ballpark. There we go. Well, I just want to call you Fitz. So there you go. That works for me. I'm sure you get that. All the time. All the time. (laughs) Totally works. Well, Joel, I just want to thank you for being with us today. And this is definitely a much-needed conversation. And it's interesting because my my son, he's um, out of college now. And we just were talking about this this morning of how our world, for whatever reason, has changed the the definition of, of masculinity and um, is, is kind of valuing more feminism. And uh, he, of course, conveyed it in a much better articulate way than I'm conveying it right now. And uh, I just want to hear your thoughts and tell us your story. What even brought this on where you were inspired to write this book? Yeah, so um, I have a son who is growing up through the public school system here in Southern California. Um, He's been going ever since he was in elementary school. Now he's almost to eighth grade. In fact, he's going into eighth grade this next year. And I was a youth pastor. I've been a youth pastor for a while. And 
one of the things that I've noticed in working with dads as well as with their sons in the youth ministry, um, on top of being with uh, my uh, kids when I'm coaching them in baseball, doing all of that sort of stuff, uh, I've noticed that there is this real confusion about what a dad's role is, what a man looks like. Um, you know, there's so many people who will say to men that, like, either you need to be overly feminine um, and get in touch with that part of you that's the feminine part of you. Um, there's so many people who will say, like, real masculinity is uh, is dominance. It's um, it's asserting your will on other people. And then there's people who will say that, like, masculinity is just uh, his, his, you know, you get the picture of the dad who's kind of like the big bumbling goofball, like in all of the Disney films. Um, and so we have all these different pieces of masculinity, not even to mention just um, the the man, the man who's portrayed as like uh, – as successful through his business or through sexual conquest. Um, and I think that one of the things that really drove me to want to write this book, um, as well as have these conversations with my son, which is actually how this book came about, was having conversations with my boy and then having him give me feedback about the conversations. Um, I wanted to show my son that the truest picture of masculinity is found in the God-man. It's found in Jesus Christ, who didn't seek to dominate the world, but actually came to serve the world, um, who didn't seek to have a conquest or sexual conquest. He actually sought to find the outcast, the, the lowly, the prostitute, the tax collector, and bring them in. You know, I want my son to see that the greatest picture of masculinity is a man hung on a cross, bloody and broken, so that the people around him could live. That's what I want my son to get a picture of, mm -hmm. so that he even goes out and sees his role in the world, not as dominance, not as conquest, not as being overly feminine, not as all of these other things that the world would tell him. But his role as being masculine is to die to his own desires so that the people around him can flourish mm. because that's exactly what Jesus did for us. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's how this book came about. That's how, that's how uh, my son and I have interacted for, uh, for a while now over this book and uh, the content in it really, he should be the co-author. It should be Joel and Colin Fitzpatrick, not just Joel Fitzpatrick, but that's <laughs> the story behind behind the book. Mm -hmm. Well, interesting when you say die to your own desires, because that is so countercultural, you know, to basically it comes across like you need to be the doormat and let people walk on you. So unpack that a little bit more when you say die to your own desires. Yeah. So that doesn't mean that you're a doormat. What it means is that um, when I come home from work, so now, right now, I'm not a full-time pastor. Um, I guest preach places, do things like that on the weekends. I work a full-time job as a construction guy. Um, what it means for me to die to my desires is when I get off of work, the one thing that I don't want to do is have deep conversations with people, um, even though I love to talk. I'm like, I come home and I'm just tired. I'm tired from a day at work. 
Um, but I know that what my kids need and what my wife needs, she works as a full-time nurse. Um, what we need as a family is for me to not just check out and go sit and watch Netflix or play video games or go in my office and read a book or do things like that, get on the internet. What my family needs is for me to come home and to take a deep breath in the driveway and to pray, God, give me the strength to walk into this situation with grace and mercy for everyone around me. And then to come in and look for areas in which I can serve the people around me. So if that means I make dinner, then that's what it means. If it means that I help my kids with their homework, then that's what that means. If it means that I sit down with my daughter like I did last night, um, late at night, and we had a long, like probably hour and a half conversation about some stuff that's going on in her life, then that's what that means. You see, what it means is that I look at the people around me and I don't just think to myself, what do I want to flourish so that I can, I can walk out of here feeling like I've had a good night? I look at the people around me and I say, what do these people need for me to do so that they can have the best nights that they can, so mm -hmm. they can be the fullest them that they can be? Mm -hmm. And then I seek to put off my desires and then live so that they can fulfill theirs. Mm -hmm. In that way, I become a conduit of grace. When it comes to something like disciplining my children, right, my desire, I'm a big Irishman. And so, like, sometimes my temper gets gets a little bit out of control, right? <laughs> um, and when my kids come home and they've told me something they've done, right, my desire is to just react. It's to react in, um, in anger. It's to react in frustration with them. But you see, I need to die to my desire so that I can, I can be a minister of God's gospel, of his grace to my children and lead them to Jesus. That's what it means to die so that other people can live around you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow, that, that is so powerful. And when you're in that mindset, and you really have, you know, prepared yourself with scripture in your in your head as it's sharper than any two edged sword to help you get through that, then you are, you know, you're putting some goals down of how you want to show up as as a dad. And it's really easy to apathetically just show up for, for both moms and dads mm -hmm. um, to to not uh, look at it from that perspective and. It's very easy to let your kids, especially if they have similar temperaments mm -hmm. as you, <laughs> to, yeah, don't totally. let them get under your skin. <laughs> and then you realize, oh, I'm so irritated because you're me right now. hundred <laughs> percent. Yep. And yet, like, it's easy to be apathetic because we have things like Netflix, right? And we have things like video games. Mm -hmm. So, like, our kids can stay entertained. Um but the reality is, is that, that that doesn't lead to the fullest lives, right? And it's easy for me to get frustrated with my daughter or my son because they're just like me, because I see myself in them. And yet, in so many ways, I want them to grow beyond me, and I want them to grow into the image of Christ. That's my goal. My goal isn't for them to be moralistic and obey. My goal is for them to be like Jesus because they love him so much. Mm. 
Mm. Well, we have uh, just a minute before we we go on to a commercial break. And I just want to say, first of all, thank you for listening to God's Calling and putting your thoughts down on paper and being bold enough to to truly talk about this. Mm. Because I, I have a funny feeling. I know even some of the things that you have said were... It, it's easy to go, no, 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 no. I'm I'm not going to have this on me. <laughs> yeah. it's like, and uh, yet we, we definitely need to hear this. So we are going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to continue to talk about pop. This is Girlfriended on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. Toginet Radio has partnered with one of the largest travel booking engines in the world to offer savings of 15 to 30% or more on hotel booking fees through our own web portal, www.bestradiotravel.com. Discover the discounts you can receive by going to bestradiotravel.com forward slash patty to see for yourself. This is a custom booking site for the listeners of our show through Toginet Radio. We have negotiated special rates of over 650,000 hotels worldwide to save our customers money. Our members leverage our massive buying power to save thousands of dollars by booking with us. BestRadioTravel.com can beat the best prices offered by any other major travel booking website. Please go to BestRadioTravel.com forward slash patty. Sign up and enjoy the discounts. That is bestradiotravel.com forward slash patty. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. Avoiding air pollution is a good idea at all times, but especially when you exercise. When we work out, it is estimated that we draw in 10 to 20 times more air than when we are still. The New York Times states that if the air is polluted, we get an overdose of toxins. Being exposed to air pollution increases our risk of heart disease, premature death, lung inflammation, and weight gain, just to name a few. If possible, exercise in clean air. Air quality alerts can be caused by ground-level ozone levels and particle matter and are usually worse when it's hot and humid. When there is an air quality alert, it is best to exercise indoors or in the early morning. Always follow your doctor's orders, especially if you have asthma, other health conditions, or are elderly. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. 
we are chatting today with author Joel Fitzpatrick. He wrote the book Between Us Guys, Life-Changing Conversations for Dads and Sons. And just talking about it's it's clear that raising boys today requires a new definition of what it means to be a man. And Joel, you were talking about having some um, gospel-centered conversations and help us with that. What does that what does that mean talking with your son and uh, sharing scripture? How does that turn into how we look at masculinity? Yeah, um, this is an area as a dad that I know I struggled with, and so many of the dads that I talk to uh, struggle with this area. What does it mean to have a gospel-centered conversation? Um, First of all, you have to talk about what the gospel actually is and understand that, right? The gospel is good news. It's good news that's pronounced. Um, Martin Luther used to say that it comes from one man's lips to another man's ears, right? It's something that's spoken. Um, And so what is the gospel? Um, What is this good news that we're supposed to tell our sons? Well, the good news is that uh, we have someone who came. We have Jesus who came and lived the life that we could never live. He fulfilled all of God's laws for us um, in our place. He then went and died the death that we deserve to die, taking all of God's wrath uh, for us, and then was raised on the third day for our justification. You see, this is the gospel. Um, the gospel is, is that Jesus did it all, as the old hymn says, right? Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Um, sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Um, Jesus did it all. Jesus paid it all. So that in 1 Corinthians, right, the Apostle Paul tells us that he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Um, The gospel is, is that Jesus did it all. He paid it all so that we now are the righteousness of God. Um, we are, we are um, pure. We are clean. We're washed clean with his blood. So that's good news that dads need to tell their kids that their standing with God isn't based on how good they are at keeping God's laws. Their standing with God is based on how good Jesus was at doing that. And he was perfect at that. So how does that work out in like an everyday conversation? Um, my son and I, uh, we both we both very much um, interact with people who uh, who are downtrodden. Um, we we're always kind of looking for people who are hurting. Um, so what does it look like? It looks like this, right? Um, as as human beings, um, we were created to care for other people. Adam and Eve in the garden, right? The two of them completed each other. We were created to care for other people. Um, sin has broken that, so that now, um, when I look at somebody else, I'm not as inclined to help them <laughs> as I may want to be. Mm. Uh, I may walk past a homeless person without saying hello or having a kind word for him or mm. her or a conversation. Um, sin has broken that part of me. Sin has broken the part of me that when I look at someone who may not fit in to the crowd that I run with, um, I may be tempted to make fun of them or to say mean things about them. 
Um, sin's broken that about me. But what did Jesus do? Right? If you read the Gospels all throughout it, Jesus saw people who were brokenhearted. He saw the outcasts, and he invited them in. So that now, when God sees me, it's, Heidelberg Catechism says this, it's as if I had never sinned or ever been a sinner. So when God looks at me now, as I'm a Christian, he doesn't see the Joel who walks past homeless people. Um, He sees the Joel who perfectly fulfills God's law in caring for those around him. You see, what that does inside of me is it builds gratitude. It makes me happy. It makes me thankful to God that he would do that for me because I don't deserve it at all. So then I now turn to my neighbor in love, right? What are the two great commandments? I love God and I love my neighbor. You see right there, that's a gospel conversation. Um, It walks them through the problem. It walks them through how Jesus has changed everything about us in our standing with God. And then it motivates us to go out and to love the people around us. Um, Doing good deeds, taking care of the homeless, taking care of the poor, taking care of the downtrodden, because that's what Jesus did for me. Now, as dads, it's our jobs to translate that into the language that our kid at whatever whatever age they are can understand. But that's why I wrote this book, was to help give prompts and starters, to even give dads a whole conversation they could just read through with their son mm-hmm. uh, so they could understand how to put it into a language that their kids can understand. Mm-hmm. But you see, the point of a gospel conversation is to continuously draw our children back to Jesus to show them how Jesus was perfect, how Jesus forgives them, how Jesus loves them, how Jesus motivates them and empowers them to love the people around them. That's that's a gospel-centered conversation. Well, and and Joel, the, when you use words like consistently, um, that's where I think it's, it's a key word because often we feel... I know I've I've been caught up in this as well, and I guess that's why I'm saying we here, so I'm not mm-hmm. pointing the finger at me. <laughs> Where it's a it's a check off, you know, to to do your quiet time so you can check it off your to do list, or do devotions with your family so you can check it off, you know, it, that okay we did family devotions mm-hmm. one night this week, and it's the the consistently teaching, and it doesn't always have to be. During devotions, as a matter of fact, I I didn't do a lot of devotions. With, I'm not proud of that, but with my family, because you just get so caught up in the busyness of life, and it was more dialogue. And yeah. you know it, what you're saying is, you know, Moses tells fathers to talk with their children about the commands and statutes of the Lord as as they sit in their houses and they walk. You know, right. by the way, it, and to me. It's it's when you're walking, it is when you're out driving them to soccer, when you're out doing life, it's having those conversations and right. it's not so manufactured yeah. that, okay, now, now we're going to put God in a box. Now we're taking God out of the box and we're going to talk about <laughs> what the gospel has, have to say. And I, I think we do that often, you know, we're not living it and breathing it. We're just compartmentalizing. Totally. You know, it's so easy to just isolate God. 
um, to isolate Jesus to Sundays. Like that is so easy to do. And even as a pastor, I fall into that trap. Um, you know, because it, it's just it's simple. But I'll tell you, like there is there is nothing like um, nothing more fun than going out to frozen yogurt with my kids. And then just sitting there and having a conversation with them about their day, about their lives, about what's happening with their friends. And then those are the opportunities that create the space for us to begin to speak gospel truth into their lives to show them that Jesus doesn't just matter on Sunday and Jesus doesn't just matter when we're doing our devotions, but Jesus matters all the time. So when I'm out fishing with my son, um, he loves to do deep sea fishing. So we go out on half day or full day trips. Um, When I'm out doing that with my son, we're talking about not just fish and not just, you know, the latest tackle setup we have, but we're talking about creation. We're talking about the beauty of God. We're talking about how God is so kind to give us these beautiful fish that we get to catch and sometimes throw back and sometimes get to eat, you know? Um, That's the beauty of having little conversations over a lifetime. So many parents get caught in this trap that they think they need to have one conversation, like let's have the talk, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The reality is, though, nobody wants to listen to a monologue. Nobody wants to be talked at. Um, who wants that in their lives? Um, what we want is a dialogue where we can bounce information off of each other. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what short, um, concise, well thought out, um, responses that have questions that draw our kids out. That's what that'll do over an entire lifetime so that your kid will then turn to you once your, your son or your daughter has children And they'll still be talking to you about what's going on in their lives Mm -hmm. because they know they can trust you. Mm -hmm. Well, and and I think once again, the the key word there is questions, because like you said, you want that open dialogue. I know for me, I my my husband will tell me that all the time because I'm a corporate trainer and I train all the time. Mm -hmm. It's really easy for me to get into that teaching mode Mm -hmm. rather than uh, truly having the dialogue. And sometimes, like you said, you you do need to plan it out. You do need to plan out those powerful questions because the more we're asking those questions, um, they can they can feel the empathy. They can feel that we genuinely want to know their thoughts and we respect their wisdom as well. And it it, it just helps to be able to. Put put those questions together. And we're going to be going on a, a commercial break um, right now. But when we come back, we're going to talk. Maybe we can even give us a, a couple of powerful questions that we can help in having yeah. uh, these conversations with our children and especially um, the dads out there on how you can talk to sons and use these powerful questions. So we will be right back after these messages.
This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one of a kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Whether it's lunges or crunches or tricep dips, there is usually one exercise that you dread doing. I tell my clients that when they are working out on their own, to do the exercise that they like the least first. I have several women clients who really want to shape up their lower body, but they despise lunges or squats in any form. So we always do those exercises at the beginning of the workout when they have more energy and enthusiasm. By waiting until the end of the exercise session, especially if they're working out on their own, it is too easy to cut the workout short and not do those important exercises. For me, abdominal work is my least favorite, so I always do my abdominal exercises right after I warm up. After I get those out of the way, I concentrate on lifting weights, which I really do enjoy. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Back today, we are chatting with author of Between Us Guys, Life-Changing Conversations for Dads and Sons, Joel Fitzpatrick, as he shares how dads are given an incredible opportunity to be the primary influence in their children's lives. And Joel, we were just saying, you know, you had mentioned asking questions and sometimes even, you know, planning ahead, but actually putting mm. your thoughts together before you have these conversations. Uh, is there, is there anything that you can help us with and what does a powerful question look like? Like, what are some of the things that, and I know you talk about that in your book. So just give Mm -hmm. us kind of a, a, a peek inside of your pages. Yeah. So just to, just to clear the air, there's nothing mystical about a powerful, a powerful question. Um, sometimes the simplest questions are the most powerful questions, So, um, like in the chapter on strength, and by the way, dads, I give you a series of questions throughout the book that are actually in line with the, uh, with the topics so that as you're reading through, you'll see, oh, here's a question that I can ask. Here's a question my son can ask. But in the, in the topic, as we were just talking about, like, um, using our strength, using our, um, ability to love those who are downtrodden, those who are, are the outcasts. Here's a, here's a great, powerful question, right? Um, have you ever known a bully? How did that bully use their strength? Right? I mean, that's a great question um, because 
your son will end up saying, well, yeah, I've known a bully. The bully used his strength to intimidate people, to dominate people, to hurt people, to say mean things, to do that. And then that can lead you into even better questions. Did that bully ever do that to you? Tell me how that made you feel. Um, how does that, how do you use your strength to imitate your heavenly father who used his strength to protect us? How can you do that? Um, when, you, when, when have you seen someone fail to use his or her strength to protect others? Like those are really good questions because they aren't just yes or no questions. They're questions that draw your kid out into giving you long form answers. You know, they actually have to think through the answer to answer it well. You see, those are great things to ask. Something as simple as, hey, tell me about your day. Did anything interesting happen today? How was school? What did you learn today? Those are really powerful questions. If you, if you ask them and then actually are, <laughs> and this is sometimes the hardest part, you're actually listening um, actively to their mm. answers. You aren't just asking them that and then blowing off their answer. Every kid can see right through that, right? But if you're engaged and you're asking them those questions and you're drawing them out about their day, then what that allows you to do is it allows you to ask follow-up questions. Well, tell me what happened here. How did that make you feel? What do you think you could have done to change that situation? Or how could that person have handled that situation better? Um, those then allow you to leapfrog into, well, let's talk about how Jesus handled a situation like this. You see, and that's how you start to make the bridge into these good conversations, um, these good gospel conversations, by asking powerful, simple, uh, not mystical, but simple questions. And I, I think to, to stop there and, and pause at a place where try to really what you know what you said is is li listen to actively listen because i know that with my i have three kids and there are times when i my intent is to truly listen <laughs> and mm -hmm. to, to ask those questions and then they will say something they'll respond in such a way that it it sets me off and it triggers mm -hmm. something and and sometimes I think they're doing that for the shock value. They do want to see how you respond. They do want to see if you really are going to be that safe place that they can come with any conversation. And I know for my temperament, I, I want to find solutions. So when they say something, if you're asking, how did you feel about that? And they start talking about they're hurting or they're this or they started, you know, they went and started talking about their friend to somebody else. You, you want to go into that teaching mode. Mm -hmm. rather than how did that make you feel or what mm -hmm. are your thoughts on that? Or mm -hmm. like you said, what, what could we do differently? Mm -hmm. But I want to tell them what they need to do differently. <laughs> and I want to tell them what uh -huh. <laughs> the best way, the solutions. And you, mm -hmm. you really do shut your kids down because they go, okay, well, I really don't need someone to find solutions right now. I truly need someone to actively listen to what, Right. what my thoughts are. Right. And, you know, the beauty is, is that when we look at Christ, 
What did Christ do so often when people tried to say things to him to shock him? Um, he just asked him a great question right back, you know? Um, like, that's the beauty about Jesus, um, is that he he's even, like, the gospel even applies to me as a dad for those areas when I fail. But, you know, um, a lot of the times when we're in pain, when we're hurting, um, whether it be physically or emotionally, when we've run into something that really excites us, or, um, or maybe we know we handled it in not so great of a way. Um, sometimes we're just wanting to tell somebody about that. We just want to. We just want them to listen to our story. Like we don't want them to fix it. We don't want them to to you know instruct us on things. Um, we want to see if they are trustworthy, handling the fine china of our lives. So that when they actually get their hands on it, they aren't just going to go throw it against the wall. But we realize that they've actually listened. They've actually cared. They've actually wanted to be a part of our lives. Not just to tell us what to do, but to actually experience life with us. So, like, um, when my son comes home after a hard day at school and he's been bullied, um, which in Southern California in public school... Uh, that's what you get. Um, you know, he comes home and he's been bullied. Like he doesn't, he doesn't need me to tell him that he may have responded poorly. Mm. He already knows that. <laughs> that's, that's a lot of the times a solid 30 to 40% of his frustration with the system and with the way that things reacted, um, the way that he reacted. Yeah. He's frustrated with the kid who bullied him. But he he's also like frustrated with himself. So what does he need? He doesn't need me to tell him how to respond to the bully. Um, at least not at that moment. Not right when he's getting into my truck. Um, what he needs is for me to look at him in the eye and to say, son, I am terribly sorry that that happened to mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. Like that was that was so, so sad. Tell me, how does that make you feel about yourself? Mm hmm. What does that do inside of you? What did your friends do, right? Because mm -hmm. in those moments, what I'm doing is I'm starting to gather information about all the things. Because he may be feeling sad about what the bully said, but then also that his friends didn't protect him. And then also that somebody else piled on. And then that a teacher was right there but didn't say anything. And he's frustrated with the injustice of it all. And he's frustrated with him lashing out, you know? And as I prove to him that I want to be a part of his life and more than just me teaching him, then he actually, the funny thing is, then he actually wants to hear what I have to say. Mm -hmm. He doesn't just have to hear it because I'm his dad and he's stuck in my truck. He wants to hear it because he realizes that he trusts, that he can trust me. So I ask a powerful question then too, son, is this like, do you mind if I, if I tell you something about this situation, are you in a place where you can hear that? Mm. Or would you rather just wait for an hour or two until things settle down and let's go grab a, a Slurpee from Circle K and wait for things to simmer down a little bit and then talk about it? What I'm doing there is I'm actually respecting my son as a human being. I'm giving him the space that he needs to process his emotions and helping him to do that because he's only 12. 
Um, and then when he's ready to invite me in, then I come in with grace and mercy. Ah, mm. uh, to, re- to respect them. <laughs> so often we, once again, we just want to pour our wisdom because we are so amazing. With all the <laughs> that we have. And just, you know, smother and saturate them rather than respecting their humanness to go, okay, I, I'm just here to listen. I know, uh, in, in our family, we have some ground rules of, we will actually start out a conversation with, I don't want solutions right now because probably because I have done that in the past (laughs) with Mm -hmm. so much. Mm -hmm. And my daughter, she called me last night and said, I, I'm going to tell you something. I don't want you to ever bring this up again or use it against me. And, mm-hmm. you know, when it's prefaced like that, I'm going, oh, no, you know, when have I used it against you? But, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously there's something there that she has to share that, but it's good. It's really good to have those ground rules. Um, I don't want solutions. I want to just share a story with you. Yeah. And I love that to actually ask for permission on, you know, I have some thoughts on this and I would love to share them with you when you're ready for it. Yeah. You see, that's the difference between parenting from a place where you're secure and the reality that you have a lifetime with your child versus parenting out of fear where you have to feel like you need to fix everything in the moment. You know, parenting out of security says, I've got a whole life with my kid where I can help build their worldview because I'm not going to change them right now. Only the Holy Spirit can change them. Parenting out of fear says, I've got to control. I've got to fix. I've got to do all of these things so that our kids can um, live this full life that we think they should live. That's that's a huge distinction there. Yeah. And when you say that parenting out of fear, I I also, I got that emotion of your parenting out of image, Mm, especially, you know, in in the church, it's easy to go, okay, you're not making me look good right now. (laughs) Try being the pastor's kid. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so we have a tendency to try to parent out of control because it is out of out of fear, but we're going to take a quick commercial break real quick, Joel. And when we come back, I want to talk about um, how fathers can help their sons express uh, their emotions. So we will be right back after these messages. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. 
Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. It can be difficult to find good, fresh fruit in the fall and winter months. Are there other alternatives? Frozen fruit is a great choice. ABC News reported that frozen fruit can actually be healthier than fresh fruit. Some of the healthiest foods in the grocery store are in the freezer section. They state that fruit loses important nutrients the minute it's picked, and how long after harvesting you eat it impacts its nutritional value. Most fruits are allowed to fully ripen before they are harvested and frozen, so they are at their peak of nutritional value. But many times, fresh produce is harvested before it's fully ripened, so it is artificially ripened when it's transported to the supermarket and doesn't provide the key nutrients. So don't let fall and winter months tempt you into foregoing fruit in your daily diet. Consume frozen fruit and enjoy all the nutritional advantages. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Togenet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, if you're just now joining us, we are talking with author of Between Us Guys, Life-Changing Conversations for Dads and Sons, Joel Fitzpatrick. And Joel, you were just sharing with us some great tips on having those powerful conversations simply by asking simple yet significant questions and being there to have that safe place, that safe environment where they know they can come to us. And now all of a sudden we're not going to go into preachy mode. We're not going to go into, uh, you know, schooling them for, Oh, you responded incorrectly or, Oh, that wasn't right. Or, Oh, that's really not what Jesus would do. He would have handled it differently, but by, by being there for them and truly in that active listening place, uh, and I just wanted to finish this last segment with, first of all, how how do, do moms help here? And then also, how can fathers help their sons express and process their emotions? When we started out the show today, we were talking about some of the research that's going on and how boys have more aggression and frustration and they feel isolated and, you know, it gets into violence and anger and all these, you know, devastating realities of what research is showing. And yeah, how do we unpack that? How do we, as, as moms and dads, help them express these emotions? Yeah. So I would say um, moms and dads have different roles in parenting. Um, Moms roles are different than dads and there's plenty of great material out there for moms. Um, But moms, if you, if you look at your, at your son and let's say you're a single mom and you're like, I, I am my child's only parent at this point. Um, Then let me just, first of all, say like, I'm sorry. And like, that's, that's uh, like, that's not a part of what uh, God's beautiful plan for you is. And yet you have this great uh, opportunity. Um, you have this amazing opportunity, single mom, to be able to like speak into your son's life 
Um, and so a resource like this book would be great for that. But um, dads, you know, it's interesting. So often dads think that they need to be moms with bigger muscles. Um, a buddy of mine tells me that all the time. Dads aren't moms with bigger, bigger muscles. Dads are something completely different. Um, so how do we help our sons process their emotions? Well, first of all, um, we're very, very careful to become a safe space for our kids. Um, my, my, like I said, my emotions tend to run very hot. Um, they, they, I can, one minute I can be the, on the top of the world. The next minute I can be very low. Um, but I need to be a safe space for my son. I need to show him, um, show my son that I love him and care for him. Um, in the middle of his anger, in the middle of his like depression, in the middle of his happiness, in the middle of his sorrow, um, he needs to feel like he can come to me, uh, as a dad and I'm going to keep him safe. Um, dads get this opportunity to kind of just be this, um, this gospel conduit in the middle of that, right? Um, we get to, we get to partner with our sons and love them through that, help them walk through it, help them process their emotions, talk to them about it. Sometimes just hug them, um, hug them to keep them safe, uh, hug them to keep them uh, from, from lashing out. Sometimes sit there and talk to them and make jokes with them. And sometimes just sit there and hold their hands as they cry. Um, that's that's the role dad gets to play. Uh, and then we get to become this role model. Like I said, my, my emotions run hot. And um, in so many ways, my son is watching me all the time. Um, he's watching how I respond. He's watching how I respond when I struggle with depression. Um, he's watching how I respond when something has made me angry. Um, he's watching that. So we get to be, we get to be like this solid rock for them. Um, and in that we're imaging, uh, uh, God, right. <laughs> we we become like this rock, this fortress for them that protects them. Um, we get to become like this conduit of the gospel. And in that we become like Christ in that we're just speaking good news to them. But then we also get to become this role model for them where we show them not only what it means to do it right, but what it means to ask for forgiveness when we do it wrong. So dads, here's a big thing that I know a lot of, a lot of dads struggle with. Um, when you respond out of anger and you sin towards your son, um, or you say something that's biting and mean, um, maybe you tell your son to be a man, um, I mean, just a comment that's, that seems like a throwaway comment, but really is something that can be very hurtful and mean. Um, you know, you get this great opportunity to go back to your son and to look him in the eye and to say, son, forgive me. My anger got out of control there and I should have never said those words to you. Would you please forgive me? You see that? That is powerful. Mm -hmm. And when it comes from a place of humility, then your son sees that, no, no one's perfect. But we all who have faith in Christ are forgiven. 
And we all have this beautiful tool and this beautiful gift of forgiveness that we can give to each other. You see, dads, that's that's the reality um, of being a dad in the midst of this little guy who's growing up and going through puberty and his emotions are going wild. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, it's it's this, this slow, patient, steady, trustworthy, trustworthy uh, uh, walk with your son. And then you can say really great things, really, really powerful phrases. I love you. Um, I love you no matter what. I know you're angry at me right now, but I just want to tell you that I love you. I can understand your anger, um, but I love you, and I'm never going to stop loving you. Um, You can say things to your son as he comes home and he's sad after something that's happened at school. Son, I'm proud of you. I'm proud to be your dad. Um, I wouldn't trade you for any other boy in the world. Um, Things like that, when you actually mean them, are immensely powerful phrases that build Mm. your sons up. And for moms, you get the opportunity to do something very, very similar, right? You get the opportunity to love and instruct. Um, There's a reason, I think, that wisdom is portrayed as a woman throughout the Proverbs. (laughs) You get to be this wise, comforting um, lovely, uh, friendly instructor who patiently and calmly helps your son. Um, boys need them both. Um, boys need them both. But, um, you know, the reality is in, in all of these ways, we're just imaging Jesus to our sons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that is so powerful. And, you know, your son's 12, yeah. And and I know we're coming to the end of the show, but uh, I, w- I would like to hear some of your, your wisdom on how I, I know in the commercial break, we were talking about the dark Internet and I, I just heard it for the first time yesterday. I, I never have heard of the dark Internet. I don't know mm-hmm. where I've been, but uh, I know that's a whole separate entity of, of just like being able to get on porn and yeah. going to a public school how it's so in their face, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where a kid's just going to show their phone to you. It's not like right. before when you had to go buy a magazine or actually go mm-hmm. into some type of adult, you know, bookstore or whatever. Now it's mm-hmm. just rampantly around them. How do you have those conversations with your son? Yeah, really, frankly, um, you know, I wrote uh, I, I wrote another book. My sister, who lives in the same uh, suburb as I do in San Diego, both of our kids go, or all our kids go to the same school. We actually wrote a book together about how to talk to your teens about sex and sexuality. Um, it's called Mom, Dad, What's Sex? And so, like, I just, I mean, first of all, like, shameless plug, right? Um, but I think that you need to be frank with your sons. I mean, the reality is is that um, I think statistics say that that um, boys start looking at pornography um, by the age of eight uh, mm. now. Um, like a majority of the boys are, are shown pornography in some form by the age of eight. So you need to talk about it. Um, you need to do it as as sons, um, as your boys start to notice things, as they start to notice their body. Um, there's a great book by a guy named Justin Holcomb called God Made All of Me. Um, that's fantastic for those younger ages to teach kids about what their body is and like the proper boundaries to put around it. And then as they start to get into middle school, um, you know, they're coming up on fifth grade and, and getting into middle school, sixth, seventh, eighth. 
Um, and then absolutely when they're in high school, you need to be having just regular check-in conversations. Um, son, how are you doing in this area? How are you doing in that area? You put proper safeguards on your computers. Um, if your kids are on social media, you make sure that you're on social media with them so that you see what they're posting. You make sure you have their passwords so that you share an account with them um, so that you can go in and see what their direct messages are. Um, you know, you just be thoughtful about these things, not in a way that's controlling and overbearing, but, you know, like when something happens, uh, you know, you're able to then speak to it as opposed to just not knowing it even happened. Um, those are great ways to be able to do, um, to do that through the vehicles of conversation, as well as being understanding and having wisdom about the things that are out there. Mm. Yeah. Well, we have um, two minutes and thank you again for, and especially just helping us uh, in maneuvering all of this uh, with dealing with your sons with pornography and what they're surrounded with. But we just have a couple of minutes before we, we finish the show. Actually, actually one minute. What would be a tip um, for the listeners out there, Joel, once again, of, of how they can um, just raise their their sons to be godly men. Mm. I think you do it through uh, through ordinary things. Um, you do it through taking them to church. Um, you do it through reading scripture, through plugging them in with Jesus, through being gospel conduits, um, telling them about the grace of Jesus, forgiving them, reminding them of God's forgiveness. And then through loving them, I mean, that's, that's, um, it's really simple. There's no magic trick to it, but I think those are great, great tips for getting started down that path. Awesome. And once again, we've been talking with author of Between Us Guys. Go run and get that book. Um, thank you so much, Joel Fitzpatrick, for being on our show today. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the